What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today, I have with me Marcy Nevin. Marcy is a fitness and nutrition coach based out of Northern California. She has worked with clients in person for 12 years before transitioning her business fully online. She enjoys helping women transition from over-exercising and under-eating, as well as overcoming all-or-nothing thinking and perfectionism so they can build strong bodies, resilient minds, and a life they love. We talk about two main things today. First, we discuss how comparing yourself to others almost always gets in the way of you focusing on what you have to do. But we also discuss in which contexts you can learn and be motivated by others and where that balance is. Next, we talk about something I've discussed on the podcast before, which is finding the right exercise modality for you based on your goals and how it's okay if you don't really know what that is and how to go about figuring it out. Marcy's great. We had a ton of fun. It was an excellent conversation. I know you're going to love it. Enjoy. Marcy, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jordan. It's going well. I appreciate you having me on. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, so how are things with you COVID-wise and just business-wise? How are things by you? Oh, things are amazing, I have to admit. And before we started recording, you were asking me, so are you usually on the other end of the podcast as a host? And I said, well, we did just record our first episode of the new Decades of Strength because we have a different host now. And one of the episodes that we recorded yesterday was all about COVID and like the lessons we learned and really how we have thrived in this situation. So just a little bit about myself, I was an in-person trainer for 12 years and I don't know, did you do in-person training before you did online? Yeah. 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 For a decade or so. Yeah. Jordan, I'll be honest. I hated every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really, and I just, I wanted a way out. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so about five years ago was when I started the online thing as a side hustle and I was getting clients, but it was not anything that I could see doing like full time at that point, I just wasn't making enough. And when COVID hit, it basically just forced me out of the nest because my gym shut down overnight. So I was like, I got to make this work. And luckily I have, and everything has just continued to improve month after month. And I don't ever want to go back to working in a gym. So I love the work from home life. I mean, it has its downfalls as well, but Things have been really good. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I, I in-person trained for a long time and then thought the next progression was owning a gym. And I'm not going to bore listeners who have heard this whole story before. But uh, at some point, uh, it wasn't a savvy business move. It was a my heart wasn't in it. I felt like there was just I wasn't having the impact on clients that I wanted beyond like those 30 minutes or an hour that we were spending together. And it wasn't really mm -hmm. like I wasn't flexing the intellectual muscle that I wanted to from like a putting people on just working with people through behavior change. And there's like people coming to just check a box for that workout. And which is fine, by the way, that's awesome. That's such, you're such a good part of somebody's life. But I felt like I wasn't affecting them the other 23 hours a day. I was having trouble really connecting beyond that. And so I owned a gym for a year prior to COVID and not a savvy business move, but just got lucky. Like, I don't know, three months before COVID hit, I was like, I'm going full online. That's it. And it turned out to be whatever. I mean, turned out to be a really nice move um, and definitely enjoying the, I mean, the work from home life, there's something about working with people that's nice, but if you, I had to do one of them all the time, I'm definitely enjoying doing this all the time as opposed to that all the time. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I don't know what your personality type is. I am an introvert, so I get drained very easily. I also am very sensitive to stimulation. It's like overly stimulated. Um, so being in a gym where it's like loud music and like clanging and banging and people yelling and screaming, it was too much. <laughs> it was too much, especially yeah. at 530 in the morning. Totally. Yeah, um, I get that. Yeah. 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 
And, and I understand what you're saying too, because I felt like I could only do so much with clients. Most of them were just checking the box, you know, older individuals who just wanted to get their workout in, know they needed to do something, didn't feel comfortable going to a bigger gym on their own. Cause I worked at a private studio, which definitely had its benefits. You know, I was like the, I was kind of running my own business, which was nice. Um, but it really developed into friendships, which was great, you know, but there was this kind of a disconnect between me being the friend versus me being the coach and really influencing change and being able to impact. Like, I mean, I'll be honest, I had clients who just were not getting results, you know, because they weren't doing what they needed to do the other hours of the day, specifically with their nutrition. And I had a little bit of a fear because it was an in-person relationship to like really have that hard conversation. So yeah, this has just been better overall for, for everybody. I have a little bit of a theory and I think getting a personal trainer is awesome. By the way, if you have an in-person coach, who's really great that you resonate with, that gives you good workouts that like cares about form and technique, all of that really great stuff. But I also find that sometimes, you know, you're the maybe across large populations and maybe not at the individual level, like the kind of person who is going to seek out a personal trainer might be doing so in an attempt to kind of offload some of that responsibility. And like, I would, I had, you know, if I had a hundred clients at, at the time, like I would say most of them only came because we had an appointment and because it was me and because they didn't have to think. And at, first of all, that, I think that's the benefit. You come to the training session. I have everything planned for you. You, you give me the effort, but I'm doing the, the mental stuff. Uh, you're just showing up, turning your brain off, giving me a good effort, which is, it is the benefit, but I also felt like it, it kind of directed people away from some of the initiative and personal responsibility of taking things upon themselves. And so I'm like, so I'm, my parents don't even really understand sometimes what I do. They're like, you're not with them working out. And I'm like, no, these are, these are probably mostly people who are like, Hey, I could work out on my own. I want to understand the why I want to get on a plan. I want to get on a program. I want you to help me with uh, technique and stuff. But these people might be coming from, you know, if we're looking at like the stages of behavior change, like the readiness of behavior change, these people are probably a little bit further along because they're kind of willing to take that initiative of doing it without you actually there. So I've found that just, the the totality of the clientele is like a little bit more likely to take that initiative and responsibility outside of the workout like itself. I'm curious if you found that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was pulling teeth to get someone to even focus on their nutrition or go for a walk, you know, do extra movement outside of our one to three hours per week that we were spending together. Yeah. And I would, I was not here for it, you know, probably because I'm someone who is very intrinsically or self-motivated I don't need that handholding or that accountability. I mean, I realize that there are a lot of people who do clients online come to me for that as well, but it's like, I still need you to take a little bit of that initiative. Like I, I'm not the babysitter and I don't, I don't want clients like that. And I do want to, I mean, and hopefully I'm attracting people that, um, do have that inner resolve, so to speak. Yeah, I think yeah. that the, 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 if you're looking for an online coach, you are, are are already understanding that this person won't be there with you. So you're already like one step towards understanding that, hey, this is on me, but I'm hiring, you know, a GPS. I'm hiring somebody to help me kind of work through this support, but at the same time, not physically with me there. And so, yeah. And I also, I have no problem. And, and it was... I have no problem if a client, if somebody, you know, in the personal training days just wants to come check a box, get a workout, that's fine. I have a problem with if that is what you think is the only requirement for you to see amazing results, let's say fat loss or something like that. Like I have, I, oh, you, and if you've listened to the podcast before, if you're listening, like, you know, my only problem with 
this scenario is a discordance between like what you say you want and what you are doing about it. Like if someone's like, Hey, I come here cause it's a great workout. And trust me, working out 150 times a year is really great for your health outside independent of anything else you do. It's if that's, if you're going at it with the right expectation of what you're getting out of it and you under, you are just like very objective and, and real about everything. I love it. That's great. But if you're like, Hey man, I've been working out two or three times a week for a half hour with you, like, and not doing anything else, but like I'm not seeing any changes. Like, no shit. Like, you know, it's like, does your ex, is, are you going at this with an understanding of what you're going to get out of it? And so that was like, it was a point where it was like, I know you're not making great changes. You're working out 60 total minutes and not taking care of your nutrition at all. You know, like, well, it's interesting. I don't know how it was with your clients. And for me, I had these clients for a very long time. I mean, one guy was with me for 10 years yeah. and I don't think aside from maybe a few people, who didn't stick around long anyways. I never had a client who was saying, you know, Marcy, I'm really not getting results. Why am I not? Why am I not seeing more muscle? Why am I not losing more fat? So it really does seem like they were just coming to check the box, which is, or, great, which is fine. Yeah, and, yes, and I don't yes. want to speak ill of my in-person clients. They're great people. We had great workouts. I loved it for the most part. Totally great. It just, there's maybe this is something you found too, is like in the beginning, I was it. I was just an idiot. I was 20 years old, right out of college, like didn't know shit, like, and was just doing the basics. But like, as you know more, you want to do more. And as I was learning and getting certifications, went back to become a certified nutritionist, working on like biomechanic stuff. And now I'm like, wait a sec, I want to, I want to use all of this. Like I was no longer using the, the knowledge that I had and I needed to seek that out. And I think what you said is like the way you attract clients. I think that that's like the most beautiful thing in my opinion about social media and online coaching is that if you just put out a vibe of what you think is important, the way you say it and the way that you, like people will find you that resonate with you and it is like, or obviously you're exposing yourself to a lot more people, but if you keep your thread consistent of your personality and like how you say stuff and what you think is important, like other people who jive with that are going to find you. And I found that to be such a wonderful experience. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I, or my clients that I work with, very few of them struggle with the workout component. So in my check-ins, rarely is it, oh, I didn't get to the gym. Yes, I get the, I wasn't motivated. I'm like, shit, I'm not motivated either. <laughs> Most days, not motivated to go lift. You know, upper body days, yes, lower body days, not so much. Uh, you know, I don't wanna do my cardio and all that. So, and I think it's the nutrition where people really struggle the most and the the workouts are a little bit easier and then we could go down the rabbit hole as to why that is. Um, but yeah, for me, I've experienced that most clients are not struggling with the fitness, which is nice. Yeah. And I think normally, you know, we're, we're 10 minutes in here, but normally I would have started with why I wanted to have you on the podcast. So for anybody who's listening, who might not be familiar with your stuff, they're like understanding, like, why would I pick you out of this? You could have a zillion people on your podcast. Like why you? And I think that you are definitely mm -hmm. someone out there who puts out like a really balanced view of nutrition and fitness. And it's like some, I, I was like, I always just binge people's con content before they come on. It's like some yeah. combination of like, Hey, do what you love and do what makes you happy and do the freaking work though. And there's like a lot of helpful tips on how to make all of that easier. And then there's also a component of like the importance of strength training. So those are some of the four, like four pillars that I saw. And it's like, we need more people, I guess, specifically women talking to other women about the pursuit of more muscle if they want to do that and all the headspace and body image stuff that comes with that. So I think you do a really great job with that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But yes, it is all about doing the work. <laughs> Can't get around that. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about today about the 
idea behind enjoying your workouts. It's definitely something we want to talk about. But the first topic mm. I wanted to talk about today mm -hmm. is about, you know, everybody's heard the quote, comparison is the thief of joy. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, as a coach, as a fellow online coach, just how do those comparisons come up in your conversations with clients? And I think I'd like to actually start because I think we would both agree that like comparison to the thief is the thief of joy is a more correct than incorrect statement. There's it's usually, if not almost always more harmful than helpful, but can we throw the other side of bone here and be like, is it ever, is it ever, is it ever, excuse me, is it ever helpful? Is there any part of this comparison, this comparing to others, social media in general, in general, is it, or any part of it that's helpful? And I think we can talk ad nauseum about the other side, but let's throw that side of bone first. I, I like starting with that because it is something that I talk with my clients about a lot and not to get too woo woo here, Jordan, but I, I call myself part spiritual, part scientific, and I really do blend the two in my own life and with my coaching, but I do manifestation work. And I started that a couple of years ago and the manifestation work that I began with is much more scientific, like neuroscience. And there's three components, but, and the third component is what this woman calls like finding expanders. So the people in your life who have, we have, who are doing what you want, and rather than using that as a comparison, oh, look what she has that I don't, I'm not good enough. You look to that person as what is possible for me. And that can be very, for lack of a better word motivating or we'll call it encouraging inspirational you know so of course you have to slightly compare apples to apples so the example i use is if i wanted to be a tennis star i'm not going to compare myself to serena williams right there's just too big of a divide or a disconnect you know but someone maybe who has my my body structure my similar genetics or came from the same like socio socioeconomic background as I did, you know, kind of like comparing yourself in that way and seeing, okay, if this person can do it, then I can as well. Yeah. And I think so I, so I'm, that's where, yeah, I'm going to pull a, a direct quote from, from, I believe it was one of your posts and it's uh, you can either let the progress of someone who's farther along, take away from the satisfaction of your own, or you can use it as inspiration for what is possible. And I think that that is the crux of this, of this is comparing yourself helpful or harmful, because I think in a lot of ways, like you said, it's like, okay, compare yourself to like, and, and you would agree. I know that even if you find the archetype of the person that is you, like there's so much still that's beneath the surface that you're unable to really know if this person is you, how they think, how they grew up, that what was their relationship with food and exercise as a child and their family. And there's so much there that you can't see at face value, but I agree. It's like, you know, I'm not going to be the rock, you know, we can't just like, uh, okay, we're just not in any way, shape or form in the same you know, stratosphere. And so I think it's, Am I, is this serving me is like the just most simple breakdown of that question is like, is this comparison serving you? Is it helping me? And maybe it's a little bit of both, but maybe you can justify, justify that it's more, more helpful than harmful. But I just find that like, it can be helpful if you keep it in context. If you, if you, if you take the time to really accept that, Hey, I, this might not be me and I don't need to be exactly this person, but they might be showing me what is possible. They might be showing me the path that they took and I might be able to walk in their shoes. You know, if you're using it to be upset why you are not there or why you don't have their genetics or you didn't have their, you know, uh, uh, natural, whatever, proclivity to gain muscle or strength or whatever, like movement patterns, like then it's, then it can be, again, the thief of joy. And the unfortunate part is that's where most people are, are, are using it. 
For sure. Thank you for bringing that quote up because I was thinking about it. I posted that a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh, how can I go back and find that on Instagram right now so I can repeat it? So I appreciate you doing the work for me. And and yeah, that really resonated with a lot of people. So I'll just use an example. I'll use a couple of examples in this, but I'm sure you've had her on your podcast, Susan Niebergall. Like the woman is rock star, right? She's 61 years old. She got in amazing shape when she was in her like mid fifties. So for anyone listening who feels like their age is holding them back, it's like, look to Susan as an expander that you can get in great shape that your hormones or we know whatever it is that you may be wanting to blame your age on is not the thing that is holding you back. But like, Susan is so muscular. She's ripped. I don't even look like Susan, you know? So it's like, just be very careful of using it as inspiration, but not comparing the fine details. And another example that I will use, like, and I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago as well. So I was down in Southern California visiting my good friend, Sohi Lee, Sohi Fit. I'm sure a lot of your listeners follow her. Sohi and I have been friends before we were even online fitness coaches. So 12 years now, I'm seven years older. So I met her when she was a student at Stanford because we were working with the same online coach. So we were very similar in our build. We're both five foot two. We've always kind of weighed around the same weight. And then we worked with this guy and we were eating the same meal plan, basically doing the same workouts and, you know, like lost the same amount of weight. Uh, We also have similar dieting histories. So struggled with disordered eating, you know, have been very underweight, have gained weight, all of that. So like our journey is so similar. And when we stopped working with that coach, we've always done very similar training styles, like ever since. Um, And if you were to compare us, like put us side by side again, same body weight, same height. Um, I probably have more muscle, but she's way stronger and I am more active than her in terms of like how many steps I take and this and that, but she can eat way more than me. So I could definitely look to her and be like, Oh, that's not fair. Like, why is she stronger? Why can she eat more? Like we're doing the same thing. But there are a lot of variables, I think, kind of under the hood. So she is Asian and maybe just because of like her genetics and her cultural background, she can tolerate more carbs than I can. You know, um, I have an autoimmune disease. I'm hypothyroid. So that is going to mean that, you know, maybe my BMR is less than hers. Right. So, yeah, on paper, I should be as strong because I have more muscle. I should be able to eat more because I, you know, uh, not burn more, but, um, because I'm more active, but there are all these things that we cannot see that make it different. And, and you, let's say you didn't know her and you know, you aspire to eat that much and all that stuff. Like there might be things to learn. And I think that that's where like, I want to use, uh, well, now that you were saying that, like, okay, you guys have very similar backgrounds. I had Heidi and Natalie from butter your macros on here a couple, a couple months ago, and they 
they were like, there was a full two year span where they did every single workout together and ate on the same plan, had the same coach and the same deficit surplus cycling through. And they're like, we look radically different, like insanely different. And it's not even like we will trend closer together as we do the same thing more often. Like it just isn't going to be the case. There's so much, like you said, under the hood that you're not seeing, um, you know, could be genetic factors from like a region of the world, like where you trace your, your roots back to and your, your, just your ability to upregulate metabolism when you eat more, like there's just, and, and I, I'm going to bring it to an example that I just struggle with sometimes where every time I put up a Q&A box, you know, I like to share a little bit about what I'm doing, but I sometimes struggle to be like, hey, these are the calories I'm eating and these are my, my, my macros or whatever. I don't count the macros, but um, like I just find that to be, I don't know if I'm ready to put that on my viewers to, to or my, the people who are watching to, to come to be faced with that problem of like, am I going to actually use this as a helpful tool or am I going to immediately think, okay, this is in somehow, some way uh, referable to me or like referenceable to me or has anything to do with me. And I just struggle with like things like, hey, Jordan, what are your macros? And hey, show me your meals. And it's like, man, you know, if we could have a conversation about this, if it's a client and we're talking face to face on Zoom, like we can have a talk. Like you might be my height, eight, age, weight, body composition, activity level, and we still might be off by hundreds and hundreds of calories. And that is something that like, if we think about this, if you find somebody who's the same archetype as you, height, weight, age, like general amounts of body composition, similar about amount of muscle mass, maybe similar ethnicity, because those things can play a part in certain circumstances, like, and you guys are still quite a bit apart. Well then Jesus Christ, what, like what other comparison do you need to learn that this might not be helpful across the board here is somebody who's like the same exact thing as close as you can find on this earth and you guys are still not close and so right you know i just find that like do you find that people are like you have a much bigger following than me that people are like hey what are your macros hey what is your training split hey what are your meals and so i think all of those questions there can be things to learn from i'm just i'm, I'm sometimes torn with like you know, here, what are your calories? It's okay. I, I probably eat a lot more than the average person or a little bit more. I believe probably a little bit more, um, just from having gained and cut over the years, like have a semi adaptive metabolism. And, you know, you, I might, I might want to be transparent about that. And there's something to learn there, but I also, I'm, I'm afraid of it leading people down a path that goes, you know, takes them further from what might be best for them. Yeah. So that's really interesting. You say that. And I, I don't get a lot of those questions. Oh, how much do you how much do you eat? What are your meals? It's not, and rarely do I post about it. I have never once shared how many calories I eat. Very rarely do I post my meals like, oh, here's my protein oatmeal. Here's my protein smoothie. Like very basic things like that, just to show people that it doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. You don't have to cook elaborate meals to get in great shape, you know, because I think that there is this stigma that not a stigma, but a belief that it has to be hard. It has to be time consuming. And I was like, no, not at all. Like I don't cook recipes. Like I use the air fryer in the microwave for the majority of my cooking, you know, and it gets results. Um, so I don't go, you know, into elaborate detail about my meals, how many calories I eat, anything like that for the very reason that you said. And I am working on a post today about comparing when I was at the end of my fat loss phase in January of 2020 to where I am now, I will put it out there. Um, even though I never really have, I was on 1100 calories at the end and three days of cardio, which isn't excessive and about 12 to 15,000 steps a day, like 80 grams of carbs. That's someone would look at that 
and be like, that's disorder that, you know, whatever, because there are these broad sweeping generalizations. And I, I hate this quote, 1200 calories is what a toddler should be eating. Well, a five foot two, 100 pound female who is really trying to lose weight, who is pushing the limits. And that's the other thing. I was working with a coach who, I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. And I knew that I was in good hands. Um, But we're like, okay, how far can we take this? Like, let's treat this as a competition prep, even though you're not going to step on stage. So, and I had the capacity, I had the wherewithal, the discipline to do that. Would I ever do that to a client? No, probably not. I would probably, because most of my clients don't want to get that lean, you know? And the other thing is I still had body fat to lose, like on my thighs, on my glutes, I was very, very tiny and very lean, but, um, to get even leaner, oh, I don't even know what I would have had to do. You know, and never have I shared that. And when I do this post a day, I think I'm actually going to share how many calories that I was eating, but in the context of this is unsustainable, you know, you cannot live like this forever. And then, you know, here's the, the other side a year and a half later, where I am now kind of at maintenance, um, and the benefits of that, you know, but yeah, aside from this post I'll do today, I've never really talked about it. Yeah. And the couple of things that I, I heard when you were saying that first, there's going to be every person listening to this that is dying to know how high your calories got from 1100 to now. But I, but as per this conversation, you can be like, Hey, they came up quite a bit because I'm on maintenance, but the actual exact number of like, Oh, what's Marcy's height, weight and age. What did she reverse to? What was she eating? Not as important as understanding, Hey, I was eating very little and now I can eat a lot more and you can do that. You can traverse that same progression as well. Um, and just on the idea of like this, the toddler thing that definitely pisses me off too. It's like entirely non-contextual. Like I always laugh because people, if I tell some, you know, if I'm like, Hey, I'm doing, I'm fasting. Nobody freaks out. I, if you eat nothing, nobody freaks out. If you eat 1200 calories, everyone freaks out. It's like, if, if I'm fasting for three days, my friend's like, dude, what do you think? Three day fast. And I'm like, no, it's probably pretty dumb. Like, I don't really want to do that. Whatever the benefits are, you can get them elsewhere. It's like, you know, but if someone's like, yeah, I'm going to eat uh, 16 to 1600 calories or 1200 calories as a female or something like that. Like, oh, that's crazy. Super disordered. It's like, First of all, right. the the worst part about more aggressive dieting or super low calories is the likelihood that you will eventually quit and fuck it up and have a better relationship with food. The, the worst part about it is not physiologically. The worst thing physiologically about aggressive dieting is if you get really lean. Being really, 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 really lean, having very low levels of body fat, that is not good for your health. But you, yes. you know... Uh, I would, I would love, you know, this would be a, a conversation for another day, but like just the fact that you got there on low calories, which by the way, is probably what was required of you to get that lean because mm-hmm. you're a small person. Um, yep. you know, I think people just get, yeah. Okay. It's the average calorie intake for a toddler. Like, but if just, it is just a, you can tell that that person is just saying that and hiding behind the fact that it sounds like a snazzy, uh, one-off quote without actually understanding that like, there's nothing necessarily physiologically going to be bad that happens other than you getting really lean that in and of itself is going to bring potential health decrements. Um, and then just from that genetic standpoint, I think that it's important. And it's something that I will say to all my clients who are like, they're always, or often just like some, a conversation we'll have is like, Hey, what, what could I be doing? Like, what am I going to be doing to get this goal to look like this person or to go in this direction? Let's say of like, I would like this, or I would like that. Like all you can can do is control the inputs. You can build muscle, and lose body fat and you can target where you build muscle and you can't target where you lose body fat. And those are pretty much 
all you can do. Like literally, like to change your physique, you can build muscle where you want it and you can lose fat everywhere. And that's literally all you can really do. You can't change your bone structure. You can't change your metabolic genetics. You can't just like reverse diet your way into like, you know, people are like, how do I get, you know, they'll send me a video on IGTV of someone, some girl talking about how she reversed up to like 3000 calories. Like, how do I do that? I'm like, you don't, you can do the same thing she did where you can reverse and see how you, your body responds to more food. Does it upregulate metabolism? Can you, you know, maintain your body with more food? You can totally do that. But thinking you're going to do it the exact numerically like this person did it, obviously not helpful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you made you made a comment about how many calories I'm eating right now, Jordan. It's not that much. So again, interest of all transparency, um, sixteen to seventeen hundred. I would say. My coach told me about six months ago, I think that we could get you up to 2,600 calories and you won't gain weight. I was like, Vince, I'm gaining weight on 1,600, <laughs> you know? So again, my bo- I was so low body weight. I mean, and I am a small person. And again, like to get to that level of leanness um, that I needed to gain the weight, you know? So the weight that I am now is still really, I'm like 106 pounds, you know, I don't carry a lot of muscle on my frame. Um, and if you do the math and if you look at my TDEE, like rough, uh, based on the calculator, my maintenance is around 1700. And that's kind of where I am right now, maintaining my weight, but I definitely gained eight pounds or so in that reverse, you know, where, so there's a lot of those comments for, oh yeah, you can reverse and not gain anything. It's like, eh, that's not the case for everybody. And then these other broad sleeping generalizations that some people out there make about every woman should be eating 2000 plus calories or, you know, I, that really bothers me. And there is somebody out there who talks about that a lot all the time. And it's like, oh, well, I'm a five foot three female and I eat 2,300 calories. It's like, good for freaking you, you know? And if I did that, <laughs> I would pack on the pounds so fast. And I did, I, I haven't shared this story. Well, I've shared it a couple of times, but, uh, and when we get into the conversation of doing the training that works for you and that you enjoy, well, a couple of years ago, I'm like, eh, fuck, excuse, can I, am I allowed to swear on this? <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck this yeah. physique stuff. <laughs> You know, I'm going to go get really strong. I was dating a guy at the time who was a competitive power lifter. I mean, he ended up squatting like a thousand pounds, deadlifting 800. Yeah. Uh, I know. So I, I saw your, your face. Um, and it was, you know, gear power lifting and all that. So it makes a little bit of a difference, but he still did it. And I was like, Oh, I want a piece of that. I didn't want to get in a suit or anything, but I just wanted to work on my strength. I never really pursued that. So I went to his gym and had an interview with the coach. And he was like, well, you can train here, but you're going to have to gain weight. And he knew that I had a bit of a disordered eating background, which he very much used against me, by the way, totally manipulative, not okay. And he's like, And it's not going to be any of this half a pound, one pound per month bullshit that I know you're going to try to pull. You will gain as much weight as I tell you to as fast as I tell you. And I was just like, okay, that's great. Oh yeah. Right. So uh, I mean, I had to probably, and I was working with, do you know, Jason Phillips? No, he's, um, I mean, he is a, a very prominent coach in the industry and I was working with him at the time and we were, had been reversing. I was like, Jay, like I've got to put on all this weight. So he increased my calories 
very high. And I put on, oh, 16 pounds in about three months, you know? So yeah, maybe the amount that I was eating would have been what another woman could maintain their weight on, but it caused me to gain a lot. So I could, again, compare myself to this person who's like, oh yeah, I'm five foot three and you know this weight and this is how much I eat. I'm like, well, if I did that, like I did do that and now look where I am. Yeah. Yeah. And that we're definitely on the same page of who this person is, but there's more than this is one person, but this person, I suppose, and we can, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, you can just imagine that this person is, has a really intense athletic background and is really probably a genetic freak on almost all levels. And maybe not. (laughs) You know who I'm talking about? Oh, I absolutely know who you're talking about. And she's a genetic freak. And, uh, you know, to say those blanket statements and there are horror stories of like the exact thing that you just said happening where it's like, Hey, you need to be eating this many because I have no fucking clue. I pulled this number out of my ass of like women at this height should be eating this much. And Oh, you gained 15 pounds. Well then is probably something else that's wrong with you. Like that's just fucking ludicrous. Um, you know, if any, there's literally all you need to know is that our bodies, you know, most people listening are somewhat familiar with metabolic adaptation when it comes to dieting, going to a deficit. But your body does something, you know, very similar. It's exactly the same thing, but in the other direction. And while we're not as evolutionarily uh, optimized to to fight off weight gain, our metabolism absolutely does upregulate in the face of more food. And the difference between how your body upregulates to overfeeding and mine are entirely different. And we see, you know, this metabolic ward study where they overfeed everybody by a thousand calories, and some people gain no weight, like like literally negligible weight, which means their metabolism upregulated by a thousand based on a BMR TDE calculation that they did in a lab. And some people gain more weight than was predicted. So their metabolism went lower. And so we know that there's this massive uh, variety of how people, yeah, it's a bell curve. Most people are going to fall in the middle, but like, um, it, it, there's just, if you're like taking that at face value and then you find out it doesn't work, like you're not broken. Like you're just different than this person who gave out like blanket recommendations. And, um, you know, if you can, and I will do this and, and this is a good segue. Like I, I'll oftentimes if I have a client who comes to me in the, and you know, they'll fill out the application and the number of calories that they say they were eating, like looks a little bit like, like lower than what I would suspect somebody at maintenance. I think we as coaches would agree that not everyone's eating what they think they're eating, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe even people who are like, Hey, I'm, I want to reverse. Like, what do you think? You know, I'm coming to cause I want to reverse. I'll screen share and we'll do a calculation, really simple one, tdecalculator.net or precision nutrition, whatever. And it almost always comes out with a number that freaks them out. And they're like, Holy shit, there's mm-hmm. no way I can fucking eat that much. Now, you might not be able to eat that much, but sometimes in that moment, and because we're having a Zoom, I can give this context, like it leaves clues. And if you've been eating 13 and you swear up and down that you're tracking solid and then we do a calculation, it says 2100, like, okay, maybe you're not actually eating 13 and maybe you can't actually eat 21, but those numbers are so far apart that maybe we at least take that in context and say, okay, like you can go in this direction. And I think that that's like sometimes what's lost is like this blanket recommendation of like, oh, you're you're 110, you're 5'3", 110, and you work out. Uh, there's Here are your calorie recommendations. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Yeah. And it has to be kind of like a science experiment, you know, just start here and titrate up slowly and see how your body responds, see how you feel and, and go from there. But yeah, don't let other people and what they're doing bring you down or make you feel like there's something wrong with you because there, there definitely isn't. Yeah. Well, let's talk about progress photos. You know, I think that there's a, there's the really the, the good, the bad and the ugly with progress photos. And there's a lot of ugly. There's a lot of like, and I'm going to quote Chad Hargrove here and I'll give him hundred percent credit. This is like one of my favorite tweets ever. He's like, this is how most people come up with progress photos. Like a, a an influencer with like a million followers will put up a 12 week challenge of those like million people, like 
100,000 people give up their life to win the challenge. Of the 100,000 people, like 100 people make insane transformations. Of those 100, two of them are next level. Those two people get posted on Instagram. Those are the people you compare yourself to. Then you buy the program and you wonder why you're not those two people. So that's definitely the ugly side of things. Um, oh, so but, good. But have you found, so I've seen progress photos. I, I believe I've seen some on your page. I don't want to quote you. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but like I can tell, and I want to hear you say it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like tell me your feeling on progress photos, how you might use them as a coach in terms of social media, how you might use them with with clients and maybe just like a general feeling of the the nature of social media and progress photos. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's a really great question. I mean, yes, I do use them and I haven't done it. Well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I was doing it more for a while and then I stopped and then I've done it more recently just to kind of show again, like what is possible for people. And I did one before and after of a girl who ended with me a couple months ago and, you know, she lost like five pounds. It wasn't this just like dramatic transformation though, but maybe just to show people that, Hey, it's not always going to be a dramatic transformation and that's okay. She wasn't like super consistent. She didn't kill herself, but she still got great results. And then more recently I've put up, um, well, I've shared progress pictures of two clients there before, and then the end of their fat loss phase. And then I reshared the same two people after their reverse and like having gotten up to maintenance again, just to show that, Hey, this is what it's all about because the problem with progress or the, um, these challenges and those, you know, genetic outliers who are great getting these great results. It's like, I mean, that's a problem in and of itself, but also where are they now? Have they maintained those results? So I want to use them to show that this is the end goal. Have your before, have your after picture, you know, when you've lost the fat and then six months, a year from now, this person has done the work to reverse. Now they're at maintenance and, you know, maybe their weight is up a little bit, but their body really has not changed or maybe it even looks better. And I shared one, oh gosh, maybe like six weeks ago, talk about comparison. Like my own client looks better than me, <laughs> you know, I was like, whoa, hey shoulders, you know, can I get some of that? Um, so yeah, I think that there's a time and a place for them, but only if they are done in the right context, you know? I think and that's the problem is like, unless, I mean, you and I are very honest coaches. We are, we operate in our integrity. Not all coaches are like that. So what did that person have to do to get those results? And like, if they are challenges, I can only imagine. And like you said, those people are just laying their life on the line to become that winner. And that's the thing where it gets a little dicey. Yeah. I think just simply, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Other thing too, you know, Jordan, I don't always see your stories. So I don't know if you share like client wins because I don't see a lot of before and afters on your page, if any, uh, no. Um, but I will often share client wins again, just to show people like, here's what others are doing. And this is the success that you could have. I had a client who, and I felt so bad for this girl because again, like we never know when a client comes to us, what their journey is going to look like. So based on the conversation that we initially had, I thought that she was going, or I thought that she was okay going into a fat loss phase. And we did that. She did not lose any weight. And I took her calories down like fairly low because, you know, Mark Carroll, he talks about sometimes like 
there are women who just need very low calories to get results. I am one of them. And that's not everybody, but I was like, this girl really wanted to lose it. It's like, okay, I'm willing to, to drop them low for a period of time to see if that gets things moving. And I really did believe that she was being consistent and not lying about her intake. And even at that level, no progress. I was like, all right, we've got to reverse. And she would put in her weekly check-in forms from time to time, you know, I see all of these other clients of yours who are having these amazing results, like from the wins that you share. And it just makes me feel bad about myself. It makes me feel like there's something wrong with me. And I've even questioned like, do I continue sharing wins like that? Because, you know, it can make people feel like what is wrong with me. And that's like, I never want to do that. Um, but again, it's just it kind of like as a, it is what it is type of situation. You know, you may just be in a different place right now and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you will never have these results, but perhaps we have to do some other work in order for you to eventually get there. Yeah. And, it's and a tough call. It's definitely a fine line because you, you know that it can be helpful, but there's a whole point of this beginning of this conversation is comparison. Like it can be helpful. Um, and there are going to be a lot of people who can take, uh, take from that context that applies to them. And I think you do a great job when you post, I think, I think I, so I, I've posted some in the past and, and I'm torn. I think I see the benefit like crazy, but also sometimes I see the downside and maybe I'm more risk averse in that regard where I'm just like, you know, can I get away without doing this? But man, do I see the benefit? And I see, I posted, I hesitate to post my own like before and after pictures because the, the truth is they, there needs to be context. If someone has a crazy transformation, there people need to know this person either sacrificed a ton to be uber consistent or their life is nothing like yours. You know, they don't have kids. It's a fucking 25 year old kid whose life is fitness and doesn't, you know, do anything but this doesn't have kids live by himself. Like you're not you know, some 45 year old mom with four kids, you know, and working. It's not it's un impossible or very unlikely you're going to have very similar results. So I think when I, when I, I scrolled through yours, cause that was something I was interested in talking about today. There's a ton of added context. You're like, here's this person, here's what they sacrificed. Here's how hard they worked. Here's how long it took. And then there's another thing where you, you post the, the picture after the after picture, right? It's the, nobody gives a fuck what you looked like at peak leanness on your lowest calories. You're not staying there. You're just not staying there. And so it's misleading to, you know, it's cool to show, okay, here, pre-fat loss phase, post-fat loss phase. But like, it's even cooler to do what you were doing. It's like pre-fat loss, post-fat loss, post-reverse. Here's where I'm actually going to live. Like, you know, nine out of 10 photo shoot pictures are going to be some guy who's like one missed grain of rice away from passing out and dying. Like, and so like you don't remain at your peak leanest physique at the end of a diet. If you were doing it correctly and you reverse and you actually, if you have a chance of maintaining that level of leanness in any regard, like you have to get out of that level of leanness, uh, you know, yeah. whatever. And, and that's going to come with the glycogen and, and just some like stomach content and potentially pounds of fat that come back on. And, um, yeah, so I think you do a, a wonderful job of adding that context. And I also think it's important that we don't just post fat loss transformations. Like, oh, it's, it's Joe Schmo lost 50 pounds. Like, okay, cool. That's like, great, because there are other Joe Schmoes who want to lose 50 pounds and they can relate. But like putting up recomp pictures or like muscle building pictures or like strength PRs or like often I'll post on my stories weekly check-in uh, responses where we can kind of see some of those more like mental or like emotional wins. Like those yes. making it not just fat loss transformations, like transformation is muscle being built, you know, the relationship with food being built, like mentality being changed. And so I definitely think you do an awesome job with that. And I think that it's a fine line where you're like, I could make more money if I just highlight all of these people, I'll get more people to sign up. It's not real though. 
Right. No, for sure. Yeah. And when I do share the client wins, I, I try to share less the like, oh, I hit X number on the scale. I want to celebrate those people because they do have a goal. Like I have a client right now who is one pound away from her pre-baby weight. And when she texts me to give me the update, she's like, you know, she'll say five pounds away from pre-baby weight. Now it's one pound away from pre-baby weight. And yeah, I want to put that up because there are a lot of women out there who want to get back to their pre-baby weight, but that's not always, um, uh, I don't want to say reliable, but like things can change, right? So depending on what you are doing, you may look completely different at your pre-baby or you may look better, higher than your pre-baby weight if you were someone who was building muscle and like doing the right things finally. So it's like, yes, I want to celebrate that and acknowledge her and show people like you can get there. But again, I don't want people to think like I have to be back at my pre-baby weight or there's something wrong with me, you know, because maybe you look better at a higher weight. So maybe you've built muscle. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're a different person after having a fucking child. Like the idea that that's the expectation to get back to your pre-baby weight is like, for most people setting themselves up for failure, whether or not they're going to be able to do that because you're like trying to get back to your pre-baby weight while you're a new mother, which puts a whole host of fucking tornado whirlwind into your life of like, I'm going to get back to this level of leanness after a crazy like physiological trauma. And now I have this, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping less and, you know, and so it's like, okay, there's a, a couple of practical issues with that. But I agree with you. Like the addition of muscle mass like totally throws a wrench in like the numbers for sure. Uh, and I think that's something yeah. people undervalue. And so if you're like, if you're out there and you, if you if you're relatively lean now, if you have a little bit more weight to lose then this, this doesn't necessarily apply as much, but if you're relatively lean, you know, and you've been lifting for the last five years and your body weight has not changed and you're still kind of lean, like it's probably that you have not built a lot of muscle. Like there's probably something not great about that. Um, cool. Sure. Yeah. Let's pivot. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about, I want to talk about your story. You mentioned powerlifting. I want to talk about how you're training now. And then we can talk about in general, just and it's something I've talked about in the podcast and I'm not afraid to talk about it again because I think it's something that I'm passionate about and I want people to hear. It's like training in a way that matches up with what you enjoy and the adaptations you're after. So I'd love to hear your kind of journey through what you've done in terms of training and how you've ended up maybe where you're at. Yeah, okay. So uh, I'm probably dating myself, but I started my fitness journey doing step aerobics when I was, gosh, like 15. I remember going to step classes before my high school classes started, like at six in the morning, that's kind of cardio was where I started. And then I started lifting weights, really not knowing what I was doing, just kind of, you know, trying to figure out on my own. And then my senior year of high school, I found the book body for life. Do you remember that Jordan Bill Phillips? Yeah. Okay. I'm aware of that book. Yeah. So and there were a lot of things wrong about that book, but there were also some good things as well. So I think that's kind of what got me into the frame of mind of, all right, I need to lift weights. Talk about challenges. Like that was what the book was all about was like the 12 week body for life challenge, you know? So I wanted to look like the people or the women who were winning those challenges and they were muscular, they were ripped. Then I was also looking at the women on the front covers of the magazines, like oxygen, muscle fitness, hers, not knowing what was going on behind the scenes for those women to look like that, you know? So that's kind of comparison. I was like, all right, I'm going to start lifting because that's what I want to look like. I did not want to look like a woman on the cover of shape who was, you know, wafy and thin. Like I wanted the figure competitor muscular look. 
So then I go to college and thinking that I am doing all of the right things, but definitely slipped into some disordered eating patterns. I say that most people gain the freshman 15. I lost the freshman 15. So I was very lean, very underweight. Yeah. Like totally horrible relationship with food. And it's interesting because like, I didn't really know any better. I was literally just following the advice out of these magazines, right? So oatmeal and egg whites for breakfast and tuna and broccoli for lunch. And, you know, like, and yeah, so I got results, but I didn't have any muscle. I had not built any muscle. So now like here I am very lean, but with nothing to show for it. Um, but I was doing kind of like bodybuilding style workouts again, out of the, out of the magazines. And then I found T nation. Um, and at the time they also had like a sister site called figure athlete. So I was doing some of the workouts from there, like, Oh, from Chad, what was his name? Not Chad Harker, uh, Chad Waterbury, excuse me. It's like, I mean, these were like very well-written programs. Right. Um, and then I was like doing that during college. And then when I got, uh, when I graduated, I met a bodybuilder friend and he kind of put me on the bro split. So I did that for a long time. And then I started hiring coaches. So I hired my first coach, the one that I was talking about in the beginning of the episode. And it was like a mix of bodybuilding and some strength work. Um, and you know, I got, I saw some results, but again, like not looking like a figure competitor. And then I was like, Oh, I'm not making, I'm not getting results fast enough. And that's when Brett Contreras started to become popular. I'm like, I'm going to start working with Brett. So I was one of Brett's first online clients worked with him on and off for a long time. Then I started working with Jordan Syatt and I love Jordan's workouts again. Like he had a program called power building. So a little bit of strength work, but mostly bodybuilding and over the years, I've just realized like, I like to train like a bodybuilder. My, my structure, I guess, like doesn't really lend itself well to like super heavy lifting. I never feel good when I'm heavy squatting, heavy deadlifting, anything like that. Like, I think I know that about myself, but again, not in this relationship with my now ex-boyfriend and I saw what he was doing. It's like, I felt like I needed to be doing that as well. It was really a self-worth issue more than anything, you know? So, um, and also kind of like, Oh, well, in my past relationships, I've always been the one who knew more about fitness and who was like, you know, the really in shape one. And now here I am. And my partner is like so far beyond me. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get strong too. And that's when I went to this gym and it was, it was an awful experience. I, I liked it at first because I was seeing strength gains and what was possible, but then I quickly plateaued and it was just a very toxic environment and my needs were not taken into consideration at all. It was just like, like more, more, more. And all they cared about was the numbers. Like it didn't matter what your form looked like. I was, I was good morning, like 135 pounds for 10 reps. And my back was just like breaking. Right. (laughs) And it's like, no. And he would get so mad at me. He's like, none of this bodybuilder bullshit, Marcy. And he basically was trying to tell me like, I would never get the body that I wanted if, unless I lifted the way that they were. And I was like, no, that's not true. And I knew it wasn't true, but again, like my ego was getting in the way and I, I didn't want to look bad. So I just, I took it, you know? And then it got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. So he and I got into an argument. He basically told me that I'm lazy. I'll never live up to my potential like this and that. And I was like, 
Peace out, bro. And I never came back. <laughs> so, a nerve to do this. And then I went back. I went back and I did Brett's workouts again for a while. And then um, maybe I went back to Jordan. I kind of would like flip flop between Brett and Jordan. And then I met Paul Carter and Paul changed the game for me. Um, so I think that he does that like N1 type of programming that you are now uh, getting certified in. And it just, it feels so much better on my body. I, yes, like I touch a barbell but I don't do any heavy squatting. I don't deadlift from the floor. My body feels better. It looks better. And I've like kind of regained my love of lifting. Whereas for a while it was just a chore when I was at that other gym. Yeah. If listen, if you want, you just need to. And the problem is that after I say this, people aren't going to even know where to start. And what's cool is that there are people like Marcy and myself out there that like, you don't need to think about this stuff. You can have a conversation with us. Like if, you want like what do you want out of your training if you want to be maximally strong as strong as you possibly can we can argue that this place that you went to is probably an anomaly in the negative sense of like not giving a fuck about your technique or you know uh just the safety of their lifters and just trying to get high numbers but like if you want to be maximally strong cool you got to do powerlifting. but if just like 99 percent of the people that i meet are like i want to be strong it's like i promise you pro professional or professional bodybuilders are really strong they're they yeah. once you're once you can like deadlift your body weight like any more strength beyond that is uh, is mostly ego driven which is not necessarily a negative thing you're allowed to want to get stronger i love getting stronger totally but if we're talking about i want to get strong because i want it to be empowering and i want to lift more over time and i want to see my numbers go up and i want to be functionally strong in my life like you don't need to do powerlifting you can yeah. You can get all the benefits that you just said from a strength perspective, doing hypertrophy training, probably with less stress on your joints, and you're going to look a whole fuckload better over time. Um, and that might be me being biased, but the truth is, again, going back to something I said in the beginning, I don't care what you do. I care that you're doing something that represents what you want. And if you, and then we get, you know, not to get into depth about this, but like you, you have to think about what you enjoy doing in the moment, which is valid. But if you're only thinking about what you enjoy in the moment, then you can't be annoyed that you're not getting results that you want because that's a totally different consideration. And if you love step class, but you want muscles, like those two things are at odds, something's got to give. Um, and so that's yeah. something that I'm sure you've come up against where it's like, but I, you know, do something that you love. Just do what you love. Anything's better than nothing. Those things are all true if you're not considering the results portion of the equation. And you, you can, you can, you can, uh, you know, not care as much about the results thing and care more about the fun during, which I'm totally fine about, I'm totally fine with. Just be real with yourself about what you're getting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, I had a quote about that. I'm trying to find it right now, but I basically talked about that very thing where it's like, you know, doing movement that you enjoy is important, but if you do want the results, you also have to do the things that like maybe you don't enjoy in the moment. Um, and no, so what I meant by that is I love going for walks. Like I'm a certified yoga instructor. Like I used to love doing yoga, not going to get me the body that I want. So do I want to go? And you commented on this post or this story that I put up the other day of me doing high rep Bulgarian split squats at the end of my workout, like not fun, but produces the result that I want. So I got to suck it up and do it. Yeah. You know, agreed. So yeah, it's like you, you can't have both. But if you want more muscle, if you want more strength, you know, doing the things that feel good that you enjoy, like they have to be in addition to the other, uh, the other modalities. 
have you found that like when you have a client who maybe comes from a bit more of like a higher intensity, maybe even like a boot camp, you know, group fitness style background that like you might say that to them. They might not necessarily, they're like, okay, I'll take your word for it. And I'll, and I'll do the style of training that is outside of what I enjoy, but gives me the results that I'm expressing that I want. And then once they start seeing the results, the, the, like you didn't enjoy doing the Bulgarian split squats, but the knowledge that it would give you what you wanted makes it enjoyable in, in some backwards indirect way. And so if you, mm-hmm. you like the results, I always say to people, and I made post that nauseam, like, People like, I want to, you know, your workouts should be fun. You know what's fun? Results are fun. And so there's not like, (laughs) you know, there's not just the doing it that's fun. Like results are fucking fun. You're like, do something you enjoy. It's like, you know what I enjoy? Getting the results that I'm after. Now I'm not throwing caution to the wind or or enjoyment to the wind of like, I don't care about it. But yeah, I think we just, like you said, it needs to be part of the equation. Bulgarian split squats, not fun in the moment. Getting, you know, strong legs, defined, you know, quads and glutes. Like, uh, okay, that might be what you want. And so we got to do it. And so, yeah. Super well said. Right. No, exactly. Well, it also just like the pride associated with it. You know, I, one of the things that I say to myself and to my clients, it's what I call the pillow test. Like, how do you want to feel when your head hits the pillow at night? And I'm telling you, I feel really proud of myself. But I was like, man, I wanted to sandbag that last set. And I didn't, you know? Excellent. Okay. We're coming up on an hour, Marcy. I want to be respectful of your time. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you if they don't follow you, if they've been living under a rock for a while, just plug away. (laughs) Thanks, Jay. So you can find me on Instagram at Marcy Nevin. That is where I spend most of my time, put out all my content. And then also, like I said earlier, we do have the Decades of Strength podcast, which restarted and we will be releasing new episodes soon. We also have about 50 episodes from our previous one and you can find that uh on itunes is that not you you kim and 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 susan no so so that was it was originally kim susan sam and this girl nicole susan was only on for one or two episodes then it was kim sam nicole and then it was kim sam me and a girl sarah and now it's Kim, me, and a girl, uh, Katie Crocus. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. Yeah, yeah, I follow her. Yeah, cool, awesome. Yeah, I'll have to give a listen. So it's gonna be good. We're excited. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Marcy. You're welcome, Jordan. It was a pleasure. I appreciate you having me. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.